Welcome back to another episode of Reaching Out with Michael Constable, a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. I'm your host, Michael. We are back, sweeties. It has been a while, hasn't it? It's been a little inconsistent with the episodes lately, and I apologize for that. The end of the year was truly chaotic, but in a pretty good way, I would say. There towards the end of the year, not only did we have all the holidays going on, but also I was interviewing for jobs and it had been a while since I had interviewed for a job and I forgot how time consuming that is. So that whole process was full of a bunch of take home projects and tests and lots of phone calls. However, I am ecstatic to announce that I have secured the bag. I have a job and I'm starting it this month. So that's pretty exciting for me. One thing I found interesting this job hunt that I hadn't seen in previous ones was on a lot of applications, they would ask for sexual orientation and gender identity. And specifically, I remember there was a lot of uh, applications that asked if you were trans. And so I found this interesting because I just never seen it before. So maybe some of you have, if you've been looking for jobs more recently, but it seemed like a new thing, a new development. So very interesting to see. And for New Year's, I went back to Zipolite, which if you recall earlier this year, I was there in April or May, and that was the first time I had been there. And so this was my second time. And Zipolite on New Year's was so much fun. It's like this little gay, fr- I don't want to call it a gay beach town, but it's like super gay friendly, I'll say, because there are families and there are straight couples there, but predominantly gay, especially around New Year's. And it was super fun. There were people from San Francisco that I knew. There were friends from like New York that I knew. So a lot of people were in town and then basically everybody I know in Mexico City was there. So super, super fun. After a week, I was like, get me back home. I need my, <laughs> I need to be back to reality. But it was an absolutely incredible New Year's Eve. This week's episode, I'm so excited about this because I feel like this is such a special episode because it gives a different lens and perspective on the coming out process that we haven't really had yet on reaching out. So far, we've had a lot of coming out stories from the US and even one from the UK. But today's episode gives us a more global perspective, a perspective of coming out in Turkey. Today's guest is Ilkin Zabek, and I met him when I was in Istanbul. So if you remember in between our season breaks, between season one and season two, I had a month in Istanbul where I was shooting videos and taking photos for the company Remote Year. And I got to meet Ilkin as part of that. And he really was my lifeline into anything queer in Istanbul. I didn't do a bunch of exploring the queer scene while I was there. But the little bit of exploring that I did do was courtesy of Ilkin because he is so connected and he just knows what's going on. And so quickly, I realized that he was like such a freaking cool person. And I'm so thrilled that he was interested in being on Reaching Out. Have you ever met someone while you're traveling that makes you think like, damn, this is why I travel for to meet people like this? That's pretty much who Ilkin is for me. I'm so happy to bring you this conversation. He's an incredibly talented photographer as well. Ilkin tells us about the challenges and even depression that he faced as he navigated coming out during high school in conservative-leaning Turkey and amongst conservative peers. We also discussed some of the familial struggles that Ilkin went through in his early years of his journey, which was a really powerful part of his story. Ilkin also shares with us what it's like being queer in Turkey today with the current conservative government in office, including a really interesting story of him being detained along with other queer people at last year's Pride in Istanbul simply for showing up. Despite the challenges he's faced, he also shares how the very art he creates with his photography was born out of a need to resist the queer suppression that he and his queer community have experienced by the Turkish government. And damn, his art is so good. 
In addition to his incredible story, we chat about our favorite Lady Gaga songs. We talk about how music hits so much different during a breakup or when you have a crush on someone. This is so relatable, I feel like. And also we talk about not clearing your search history as a kid. We've all been there. And how could I talk to Ilkin about Istanbul without talking about the cats? If you follow me on Instagram while I was in Turkey, you know that I fell in love with cats while I was there. And what makes them so special in Istanbul? Because it is truly worth going there just to see the cat situation. If you are ever in Istanbul, you absolutely need to check out some of the links we have in the show notes that link to the Airbnb experiences that you can book with Ilkin. Have you ever been traveling and you just like want some nice photos of yourself in whatever beautiful city you're in? Well, Ilkin does that in Istanbul and he will take you around and get some gorgeous photos of you, some gorgeous portraits of you around the city. And I even did this with him. We spent an entire afternoon and I got to get my photo taken in the neighborhood we were staying at. It was truly so fun. I actually learned a lot about photography from him as well because he's so talented and I highly recommend it. Links are down below. Check it out. And also check out his art on Instagram. His I talk about it a lot in this episode and you'll hear it, but like his photography makes me feel things like, and that to me is like the sign of an excellent artist is when you can make somebody like feel something just by looking at it. And so I cannot say enough good things about looking as a person and as an artist and as a podcast guest. I think you guys are gonna love this episode. Enjoy. Hey there, before we continue with this week's story, I just wanted to pop in and remind you that you too can be a part of reaching out. If you're interested in sharing your story on the podcast, head on over to at reaching out pod on Instagram and fill out the Google form in the link in bio. While you're there, feel free to give us a quick follow if you'd like. Oh yeah. And while I've got you here, if you find yourself enjoying this episode or just want to make my day, by all means, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. It'll give the podcast a better chance of being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you're about to hear. All right. Now back to this week's story. Enjoy, BB. Ilkin Zabek, it is so good to see you. Thank you so much for being on Reaching Out. How are you doing today? I'm fine. I was so excited about this. So here it is. Eventually. Here it is. <laughs> I want to give some context to the listeners about how you came to be on this podcast, how we met. Summer, I had an opportunity to work for this travel company. I mentioned this in a previous episode this season as a content creator for this company called Remote Year. And I spent a month in Istanbul. And throughout this month, Remote Year puts on events for the people on the program. And oftentimes, it's these really fun tours that give you insight into a city or the country that you're staying in. And this month, we were so blessed to find that we had Ilkin as one of our guides for several events throughout the month. Do you want to share what events? I had two events yes. on Remeteor. And one of them was the pop crawl with the drag show at the end. And yeah. the other one was the coffee history tour. Yes. Yeah. And that two of my favorite events in the entire month. And the first one we did was the coffee history tour. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's so fun. Like I must know more about him. And then you're like, oh yeah, then come to our we're doing the pub crawl and drag show like next Friday or something like that. And I was like, hell yes. And the, that was so fun. So I admittedly like like I'm so like during that summer or right before I came to Istanbul, just for context for you, I don't know if we talked about this, but I had just spent like some time in Spain and Portugal. And so I had gone to Pride in Lisbon and Pride in Madrid and like they were so fun. And like I just had a very queer time, like for the first like month I was over there. And then like I got to Turkey and like 
for some reason, I was just like exhausted. <laughs> I think probably from Madrid Pride because it was crazy. But I was just like, I didn't get a chance to really explore too much of the queer scene in Istanbul. And mm. the drag show was such a fun treat for me because it, honestly, it was like my one like kind of peek into the scene there. And it was so fun. Mm-hmm. It was like so different than any drag show I'd ever been to in the States. And or in Mexico City. I have been to one in Mexico City. But it was so different and unique. And you were friends with the queens, right? Or most of them, I think. Yeah, the place that I teach you, I'm friends with them. I usually go there every weekend to watch them, to chat with them, to create some new projects. Yeah, and you take a lot of photos of them as well, right? Yeah, in the last two months, I take their photos as well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to... I realized that I just went in this intro without even letting you introduce yourself. So Ilkin, could you introduce (laughs) yourself to the listeners? So I'm Ilkin Zeybek. I am 27 and I live in Istanbul. I was born in Turkey and raised in Turkey. And I'm a photographer and also doing some tour guiding. And in the previous months, in the late months, I mostly did portraits with people and especially with the queer individuals in Istanbul. And also in the last few months, I... With the pictures I took, I decided to print them and make a, something like a magazine, not a magazine, but a fanzine, I would say, a zine. Yeah. And yeah, that's basically what I did lately. So I will step in here and say the way he's describing this as being very modest because he is an absolutely incredible photographer. And I actually got to experience this firsthand because we were chatting one day and he told me how he, like, for, he has, like, on Airbnb, you can, as an experience, you can get gorgeous photos taken of you, portraits of you taken around the city in some of the most gorgeous locations around Istanbul. And so I was like, okay, I want that because as a photographer, and you probably get this too, like I rarely, I don't get my photo taken with, especially no offense to friends who take my photo, but like by someone who knows what they're doing with the camera. It's, it's rare. So I was like, you know what? This sounds like a really cool opportunity. I was like, okay, let's go do that. And so I had the wonderful experience of being shown around the neighborhood that we were staying in, Katikoy, and just getting these wonderful portraits taken of me. And it was really cool to see your process. It was so fun to see your process specifically because I don't know, just like I have a very specific way of that I shoot. And I would say that, I don't know, I'm like still pretty new. Like I I just started taking photography seriously relatively recently in the last sense, probably early COVID really. So I don't know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. So it's really interesting to see somebody who has a completely different perspective and does things a lot differently and to see your style. Like I remember you like pulled out your flash, your flashes. Your <laughs> and I was just like, what are we doing with those? It's like noon. It's so bright out. And you ended up like, getting some of the que- <laughs> ended up getting some of the coolest photos that I've ever had of myself. And so I like I have so many I don't even know what to do with them, but I just I'm happy <laughs> to have them. Okay. And I just like especially Thank the you. ones with the flash. I think they're so cool. And then you got you shared with me fanzine. And yeah, like some the photo fo- like the photography that you take and we'll share some of these Instagram handles if you want with the audience so that they can take a look. Like the way I was actually describing this, I don't know if you remember Yamina from our remote year group, but she just got to Mexico City like a couple days ago. And so I've been hanging out with her and she went to the drag show. And I was the way I was describing your photography, I was like, his photography, especially like the one the photos from Zed's fancy. And I'm like, they're just like you feel something. Like they the best way to describe is sometimes I consider myself to be like a little prudish and because I like grew up like I have this a lot of unpacking to do around like sex and being like open about it and everything 
And for some reason, like I like going through the, your photos, like I feel something. It actually like makes me feel like very strong emotions, like almost. Oh my okay. god, this is yeah. And it's and I think that is such a sign of talented artist when you can make somebody like feel something. And it, I like feel this for me. How could I describe it? It's like a feeling of kind of excitement. Oh, this is like naughty a little bit. Like it's just, it's just, it's really amazing. And I think it's such a credit to you you and your vision and your talent to be able to produce something like that. And it's just so fucking cool. So if anybody is interested in queer art, queer photography, we will definitely link one of Ilkin's accounts in the show notes so that you can go check it out. It's really cool. And I just saw online that you sold out all of your zines, right? Yeah, first print. I printed 50 of them. The first one was yours. <laughs> the very first one, if you remember. I sure and, do. Yeah, and two weeks ago, it was all sold out. And now I'm printing the second one. By this week, I will keep giving the last 51. Because it's Wait, 100 sorry. in total. Is the second one, is it a different one? Or is it the same as the first one? Oh, the same one, the same printed Just version. Just printed. But the second print, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Very cool. I am sure those are going to sell out just as fast as the first 50 did. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. It's so exciting that it spreads all around the world. Such a um, nice feeling. Yeah. At least there's one in San Francisco. As you know that I told you mine's in, yeah. mine's in my storage in San Francisco. So once I, if I move back or take, get my stuff over here in Mexico City, it'll definitely be, it'll be in one of those cities. So, okay, let's go dive into our rainbow flag segment. So just for context for listeners okay. who might be joining for the first time, rainbow flag are an endearing term that I came up with when I came out at 28. And I was like, should I have known I was queer a little bit sooner than I did at 28? Obviously, the answer is yes. And my history was riddled with rainbow flags throughout. So okay, do you have any that come to mind for you as when you were growing up? Me being more friends with girls would be a rainbow flag, maybe. Huge. Or... That, hell yeah. That for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not being into sports, I would say. Like I used to have in the primary school, we used to have the gym lecture. I don't know how would it say in English. And in that gym lecture, boys used to play football. Girls used to play other games. I used to be playing games with the girls, yeah. not playing football <laughs> with the boys. That would be a huge rainbow flag. And being a fan of Lady Gaga, since I discovered myself, even though I was still closets, secretly, that was my... That's, Listening to her was my exposuring myself. It's it's top, so obvious. <laughs> top three Lady Gaga songs. Go. What do you think? Well, the song literally changed my life was Born This Day, so I cannot oh, skip that. Oh, I love that. Like, that was the time <laughs> that I was... That, that, that is, was the time. a rainbow flag. <laughs> yeah, like, how can't I say it's Born This Way? But apart from that, I really like also... Mm, Stupid Love from the last album. And uh, maybe I can say Cheek the Cheek with Tony Bennett. Oh, wow. Nice. I was like, I, yeah. this shows I'm not a good gay. I was like, what song was that? But I would say <laughs> my favorite Lady Gaga songs. I think Telephone was one of the most formative. And I think Telephone was a rainbow flag for me too, because I remember specifically going home <laughs> during summer in college one year. I think it was between like maybe my freshman and sophomore year of college. And I, there were like in the US, there's like these TV channels where it's just music videos. And this was the mm-hmm. summer that Telephone and Alejandro, I think, came out. And yeah, they would be around on, the same time. And they would be playing all the time. And I was so obsessed with them. Like I would just watch them incessantly. 
And so I, Telephone specifically, Alejandro, actually Alejandro was the similar feeling that I told you about some of the feelings I was, the emotions I would feel while looking at some of your photography. It just felt so unapologetically queer. And at the time, I don't think I knew what queer meant, but it just made me feel this way. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, should I be seeing this? This is not, oh like, this is naughty. It's naughty. Like, Ale, Ale, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what other good word to use besides naughty, but it made me feel the similar vibe now that we're talking about it. Um, I can see that. I should also say Mary Jane Holland is one of my favorite songs of Lady Gaga. I skipped that. Mary Jane Holland from Art Pop. Okay. I've heard that Art Pop. Art Pop seems to be like one of the most popular albums for her. Sounds like a lot of gays love Art Pop, but I'm like not super familiar with it. I'm like, oh shit, I need to like, there's like a whole, I shut out pop music from allowing myself to really enjoy it for a long Mm -hmm. time because I thought it was too obvious that I might be gay or something like or people might think I was gay so I feel like I had to go back and re-culture myself on a lot of things that a lot of gay people are very into and art pop is one of those things yeah I would say my last two favorite songs of her so I'd say telephone and the last two would come from from chromatica which is going to be sour candy and which I still need a music video for she's holding back yes definitely she's she's holding out on us from that one we need that with blackpink and then Plastic Doll. And there's a really specific reason for Plastic Doll. Early, this is so embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it anyways because full transparency on this podcast. So Plastic Doll essentially is, for people who haven't heard it, it's like essentially she doesn't want to be treated like a plastic doll, like being taken advantage of some man or some of a person, I guess. And it's just, don't treat me like a plastic doll. I'm not your play toy, like that kind of a thing. And I was, <laughs> I was going through like... A breakup, which I'm using air quotes because it wasn't like a full on relationship. It was just like somebody I've been dating for a couple months. But it was like at the time, it was the longest I had continuously mm-hmm. dated somebody before. So it felt more in- intense than it really actually was. But it was like the first time I'd been feeling a lot of these emotions. And then this was like early COVID. And then I got broken up with. And for very reasonable reasons, like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, yes, this, of course, like that was. That was what needed to happen. But at the mm-hmm. time, it was very emotional. And I remember this is like right around the time Chromatica came out. <laughs> and I heard Plastic Doll. And I would be like running around San Francisco, like going for my daily run. And I'd be like listening to Chromatica and Plastic Doll would come on. And I would just be like, this is my song. This is how I feel. Like I remember because the guy would keep texting me and I didn't have boundaries to be like, no, I can't talk. Like we shouldn't be talking right yeah, now. I need to I get over you. this. And I was like, I'm not your... <laughs> Your plastic doll. And so that's it's so silly. And like I'm cringing as I say this, but it is, <laughs> it's this is my truth and I'm not gonna run away from it. No, I totally get you. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, one thing I've learned is like when you go through break, I've learned this very recently. Songs hit differently when you're going through a breakup. And oh, that, <laughs> like holy, I like just learned this year and now like I hear songs and I'm like Oh my god! Like that—that's what this means. Like, that's what this is about, and it just feels so different. And this is just like this phenomenon that I've just now found out as a 32-year-old, as I have gone through a well, my first like actual breakup and experienced my first actual breakup, and I'm like, oh shit! Like music, like is deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not only a breakup, but also I had a crush to someone recently, and he didn't want the same thing I wanted, so. And then the last whole 10 days to me, songs were different because I was listening some songs and just yeah. thinking about him or those moments. So the songs definitely hit different to you when 
you yeah. feel something really yeah. so this is the first time i'm experiencing it and i'm like at some point this has got to stop right like i can't let these abba songs that i listen to every day affect me like this forever right at some point i need them to go back to normal and to be happy right <laughs> yeah i have my playlist to listen when i feel emotional to someone like yeah and those songs i never listen when i'm in other moods it's only when i feel emotional to that person or yeah yeah and it's is it like it's part of the process it's part of feeling your emotions not running away from them and experiencing yeah. that going through that experiencing and really feeling with it and sitting with it at least that's what my therapist told me to do so <laughs> i've been trying to do that yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. So Ilkin, so if we like migrate from here into your coming out, your coming out journey, where does yours begin? Where do we start? So me coming out happens to happen with my mom and father and my family when I was in the in the summer after the eighth grade, which was like in 2009. I was, I guess, 14. Yeah, when I was 14. But I think my mom knew that I was different all along because throughout the primary school, I used to be bullied and have a lot of problems with the people around me that I was more feminine. So she always knew that I was different than other children. Or sometimes she used to come from the work and she used to see me with the dress of my sister or the high heels of my mom. So I think she knew that I was different, but she never thought that I was really gay or something else than straight. But eventually, one day my mom told me to have a holiday with my father. For a, By the way, my mom and my father were divorced and they were living in different cities and usually we used to see my father for a week but that summer my mom sent me to my father for a month and only me and my father spent a month together and eventually my father told me at the end of the our trip that my mother sent me with him because my mom told my father that i might be gay and she asked for help from my father, maybe to take me to therapist or to talk to me manly, to talk to me about sex, how to be with a woman. And that's what he'd all talked about throughout that whole month. And then I denied that I was gay. Sorry, did, they, did you want to say anything? Yeah, I was going to say, did you know that's what this was about? Or did they tell you that? Or did your I had tell no you? idea. Okay. My father was just talking about me about sex, maybe because I was grown up. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I denied at the end of the trip when my father asked me if I was. And then I went to home, met my mom, and my mom asked me again, and I denied. And apparently my mom learned about that because of the histories of me watching porn. And I never oh, deleted yeah. them. I thought that oh. my mom wouldn't find out, but she. I feel like we've all got that that instance <laughs> where you weren't as careful on the computer as you thought you were, and your parents. Yeah, I knew that they could track, but I didn't think that they would find it out, and they. Yeah. Did. So um, that means at this point, around your like mid-teens, did you to yourself know that you were queer? Oh yes, that back then I knew that I was gay in the last two years or something like. Throughout my whole childhood, I was called fag or girl or overly kind to describe that I was different, but I didn't think that I was gay or I didn't know what it means. Yeah. 
when I found it out, then I described myself as, yes, probably I am, but I was always feeling guilty and I wasn't feeling like proud or something. I wasn't trying to accept it. I was trying to change, even though my mom found it out, etc. And then eventually I couldn't hide it from my mom anymore. And then there was a very difficult year for me. It was the first grade of high school. And I actually dropped the school for a year because that was one of the worst depressions of my life. My mom found it out and she told to other family members, I was living with my grandparents. They learned it out. And at the same time in the school, I was bullied so hard. Really terrible events happened that year in this high school. And yeah, that was a really horrible year for me. Uh, Eventually, my mom realized that she cannot change it. I cannot change it even though I want. So we didn't speak for two, three years about it. And it was a time that I think my mom was trying to accept it and I was trying to accept it. And also during that year, I started to tell to my close friends for the first time. It was when I was, I guess, 16, I told to a friend of mine, a close friend of mine. And I felt so much relieved by telling her. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't stop about explaining things about my life for the first time because I wasn't feeling that barrier. I was just by I was just myself for the first time to someone and she was listening to me and I was trusting her. And then eventually throughout my high school, by the way, after that first year, I had a very nice high school year after I dropped the school and started high school over again. So the rest of the high school was very good because I was closet and straight acting and was the most straight acting of my life. So for the first time, people didn't call me fag. So it was better. And I started to tell my close friends slowly. First, it was only one person. Then it was another person. Then I started to tell my close men, male friends who were actually homophobic, but they were really close. And when it came to the end of high school, there were like 20 people who I told that I was gay. I just decided that, okay, I won't see these people for a long time after this point. Yeah. And they can know that I am gay and I'm good with them. So I want them to know real me. What were some of the reactions, especially like maybe your first friend that you told that one girlfriend of yours? And then as you started telling some of these guy friends who you said were homophobic, what were some of the reactions that you were getting? My friend, my female friend that I told, the first friend that I told, she was very surprised, I think. And as I learned later, it was hard for her to process for her as well. And she told me later, years later, that she kept it secret. She kept it hidden, but it was also hard for her to keep it that way because it was the first time for her as well. She was coming from a more religious family and somebody was telling that she was, he was gay. Yeah. Oh, one thing I was, I'm Sorry. also curious about is what, I guess around this time, what is like the consensus or like the thought around Turkey or where you grew up of like around being LGBTQ? It sounds like it was probably, you know, it sounds from at least the parents' generation, much more conservative, but it also sounds like even your peers could be on the conservative side too with this. So I don't know. It feels like it really depends where you are, what kind of family you have. I was always in the Western Turkey, which accepted as more liberal, but 
it's still not liberal as much as people are just accepted as gay. It's really rare. So my family didn't, even though they were more liberal than other people around me. Eventually, thankfully, my family is totally okay me being gay, even me producing these zines and they just accept me as who I am. It's been like, how many years? 14, 12 years? Something yeah, like, like that, like that my mom 13, found out. So 13, 14 years. It's been yeah. a very long time. So yeah, after this whole process, everything is amazing for me. I feel really privileged. Yeah. But I mean, in the beginning, you, it wasn't like that. Yeah. I know it's yeah. I'm just like, I'm thinking right now, I'm just like, it's so interesting to hear your story because in the brief time that I've known you, I just, you're such like a unapologetically positive through your photography and everything. My journey, yeah, with my family is, at least coming out to my family is definitely, was definitely hard. They tried to change me so much and they did a lot of, yeah, it was really hard. But at the same time, they didn't, they weren't like, we don't want you to stay with us anymore. We won't want you to be in this home anymore. And it happens in Turkey. Many queer people are abandoned by their family while they are still in high school or in college and then they just need to make money and live their life without the support of their family thankfully my family wasn't like that even though it was so hard for me but in turkey still from many queer people i hear that they come to istanbul they are just 18 and their family abandoned them because they are queer trans or gay and they are trying to struggle to survive here so it's definitely maybe different than states about the sport of family. I think the general consensus right now, just from having these conversations on the podcast is everyone says that it is, oh, it's so much easier to come out now than it was even back when when I was, I'm 32, back when I was a teenager or even back decades. But I don't think that, I think that's like a very general statement to make. And I think that's not the case for everybody still, even in the US. But, you know, I think overall... Generally speaking, I think, yeah, it's a little bit easier to probably come out now, but not the case for everybody. Not I'm my curious. story, but a friend's story that they come out while they were 18 and then they were abandoned by their family. They came to Istanbul and the only place they could live was a religious dormitory. That's the cheapest and the most affordable place they could live. And imagine living in a very religious dormitory in Istanbul trying to survive as a queer person. Imagine the amount of the suppressing that you will see from there. So it's definitely not easy for many individuals in Turkey. So is Istanbul... I feel privileged. Yeah, yeah. That sounds very tough, that situation. Is Istanbul then, is that kind of like the place where people go? Is that probably one of the most queer accepting cities in Turkey? I think it is. That's why I came... That's one of the reasons I came here, not only reason, but one of the reasons. And there is a bigger community here, not the only place, definitely. There are many other big cities to live in nice conditions, but the community is definitely bigger and more. There are more variety here as which kind of community you want to be a part of. I know you came for the cats as well, even though I know there, there's probably, I don't know. Is, are, actually, wait, this is a question I have. I only went to two places in Turkey. I went to Istanbul and Cappadocia and there were cats in Cappadocia. Mm-hmm. Are cats, is cats like a persistent thing around Turkey or is it isolated mostly? Is I like think they thing? are. No, I think they are. Like I am from Çanakkale, which is in this Western Turkey, a small city. And in my city also, 
in Chanakkale, there are a bunch of cats yeah. all around and they are taking, <laughs> taken care by the community. But I think, especially in Jihangir and in Kadıköy in Istanbul, street animals are even more privileged than other cities because yeah. they are even more They're so well taken care of. It's crazy. Yeah. Like I, yeah. That was truly like... I was like, sorry, I have no time to do gay things this month. I'm too busy playing with the cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. Before I you missed those, Istanbul, right? You missed the cats. I miss here. them so much. <laughs> I miss them so much. Before I went, I mean, I grew up allergic to cats, and yeah. so like, I never was a cat person. But then I get there, and I'm like, these cats are incredible. And but so how I'm, did you handle it here? For some reason, well. Usually it's when I'm inside with a cat or like I touch my face and stuff. And so I was pretty careful about not doing that. There was one time that I held a cat. It was at a restaurant on the European side. It was called Juma. Very good restaurant. Mm -hmm. The best Georgian dumplings I've ever had in my entire life. I daydream about them all the time. And I still talk about them with some of my friends that we had with them. Like, how bad do you wish Rebecca Juma getting those Georgian dumplings? Mm -hmm. And I held this cat, like the resident cat for the restaurant. So for listeners who don't know, in Istanbul, there's like this fascinating thing going on where there are so many stray cats. Like they don't belong to anybody, but they almost like they just have their places. And they the thing about this is they don't belong to anybody, but they all have names and they have personalities. And everybody in the neighborhood knows them by their name and knows them by their personalities. And for example, we found this gym that we went to in Katikoy, me and some of my girlfriends, very regularly. And there was we just called this one cat Gym Cat because every morning when the trainer would get there, Gym Cat shows up because he knows that he's going to get fed. And every time you go in there for a session, he's sitting on a little pillow and he's just, he's always there. And so these cats have their places that they go every single day. And it's so fascinating and it's amazing. And one of my favorite instances that shows you like just how ingrained these animals are in the community is I think I might have been walking to an event. And I was just taking photos along the way. And of course, I was just taking a bunch of cat photos. And mm -hmm. I was taking the, like photos of this one cat on a windowsill. And this lady pokes her head out of the window. And she asks me like, oh, what cat is that? I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. And she's like asking me to describe it. And I am just horrendous at describing this cat for some reason. I'm like, I don't know. It's gray. Just terrible. Not very helpful. And she's, she motions <laughs> like to, let, to show me the photo I took so she could tell me. And so I show her the photo and she goes, oh, that's John. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh, classic John. <laughs> it was just so cute and so funny. And yeah, it's just like this fascinating yeah. thing. But this one cat had at Juma had, back to why I'm even telling the story, this one cat had something on its skin, I think. And it gave me a little bit of allergic reaction on my arms oh. for a day or for overnight and stuff. It was fine. But yeah, now I love cats. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing them in bars, bar stools yes. or places to sit and yeah, I love seeing same cats sitting in the same bar, sitting in the same cafe yes. in their favorite position. <laughs> and if anybody is interested in seeing this for themselves without being able to go to Istanbul right now, there is a really incredible documentary called Kedi, which is cat in Turkish oh, yeah. on, and you can rent it on Amazon prime for $3. We we definitely watched it. It's so cute in the way that they, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's really cute and fun and gives you an idea of this, a nice documentary. this incredible phenomenon that is taking place in Istanbul because it's so mm -hmm. cool. I don't know if I told you, I found a stray cat that I like mentally adopted. It was this, the most adorable little cat. It was right by that cafe, a Brecky, if a Brecky. Mm -hmm, and yeah. this beautiful colored cat, it was like white, but it had like gold and black. And it was just like, it was truly like a absolute gorgeous looking 
animal. And it was like definitely maybe two months old, something like that. And we named her Miss Pickles and she was there for a week and a half. And then one day she was gone and it was so sad. And we like to think that she just picked up and went and got spayed or something like that. And she's living her best life right maybe now. Maybe she or wanted maybe... to walk around the neighborhood, different parts of the neighborhoods. I know. Um, I'm hoping she found a nice restaurant to come. The, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I'm holding out hope for that. I just hope nothing bad happened to her. <laughs> no, I think she should yeah. be fine. Yeah, I think she's fine. They're very, I feel like they're very adaptable and they know how to survive. These I think so. Well, now that we distract, I took a left turn away from your story for 20 minutes to talk about cats. <laughs> Maybe we go back <laughs> and start talking about you again. Well, I think I was just saying that at the end of the high school, I told like 20 different people. And then I'm, when I came to Istanbul for the university, I was in Çanakkale in my hometown for my high school. And, in, and I moved to Istanbul for university, studied photography. And I told the close friends around me again, but I still work was closet outside the other people. And I was went like that for the first three or four years. By the way, during this time, I was having some boyfriends as well. And then eventually, I think by the third or fourth grade of university, like when I was like 22 or something, I decided to act as normal. I didn't want to come out to people but if i'm talking about something then i just was going to mention that oh yeah by the way i'm gay and then that's what i decided to do i didn't say hey i'm gay everyone but if we are talking about it then i mentioned yeah it. that resonates with me a lot because i feel like it goes in phases where at least for me i felt like when in my coming out process there were certain number of people and certain people in my life that I wanted to, I felt compelled to have that sit down conversation with and tell them not dramatically, but I probably didn't need to like schedule time and talk with them. Mm -hmm. But then you get to a point where you just are like, first off, you just get tired and exhausted of doing that. And you're like, fuck this. I'm just going to, I'm going to be who I am. And you get to a point where you're comfortable enough with it, where you just can slide it into a conversation in subtle ways, whether it's, Oh, by the way, I'm gay. Or it's like, you just talk about, oh yeah, I went on a date with this guy. Or you just you can drop little hints in conversation that basically yeah. explain it, but it's less less grandiose. Dramatic, less dramatic, less dramatic, less coming out, less coming out. But it was like for me, it was like a phase because it started out. Yes, I have to sit down with my sister at breakfast and tell her before I leave for this flight like, or else or else I'm never gonna get to tell her in person. And yeah, then I was just like, yeah. Oh yeah, I like hooked up with a guy last night and then I just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely had that transmission from there to there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Then eventually, well, I remember actually that I decided to, like, even though I was just, I did that transmission to people around me, the people that I was seeing, I still was very shy that all of my old high school friends were going to know that I was gay all along. But I remember putting a gay flag, pride flag on my Instagram profile and sharing that I was gay just normally. That was really stressful to me somehow because I still follow and follow all of by many of my high school friends. But then eventually, now I don't even think about it. But it was sure. a big deal for me as well. Yeah. Just to put a flag there or just to share something about <laughs> an LGBTQ thing. Um, 
the yes, man, I totally feel you on that too. Like that for yeah. the first time you share something or repost something or the fly, like it's stressful. I remember that. Yeah. I think I did the first time I did that. I'm pretty sure it was at Pride in 2019 when I just moved to San Francisco and I like did it drunk. I like did this post. I think I've since archived it. And I was like, oh wait, I don't mind that I did that, but I definitely would not have done it like that. So <laughs> the next day I was like, we're going to archive that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Are you yeah, living I in think, Istanbul at this point? Yeah, I live in Istanbul. I'm hoping to move abroad in some point, but now I'm living in Istanbul. Oh no, I'm saying in this point in your story, oh, are sorry. you in Istanbul yet? Yeah, this yeah. is like just, I guess, four, three, four years ago. Like just oh, before wow. COVID or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like pretty recent. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're, I'm like so impressed by you just witnessing how comfortable in your skin you are or that I perceive you to be in Istanbul and hearing like this is like pretty recent that you're like doing some of this so I just feel like you've gone through a lot of growth it sounds and I think it's really amazing and I, I like love to hear that <laughs> oh yes it was the first person I came was back in 2008 to my mom so it's been a very long time and the yeah. transmission from there to here became slowly so yeah. I would say I'm curious now so like we're saying around four years ago is when you first put a pride flag in your Instagram bio. And that was like mm-hmm. a very stressful situation. Now, yeah. flash forward to today, you just released a queer fanzine that is unapologetically queer and authentic and beautiful. And how did we go from the pride flag to the fanzine? I want to know what helped you in your growth between point A and point B in this story, because that is like so cool and so tremendous. And I just need to know. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's really have to do something have to do with the political situation going on in Turkey about hate and suppression from government to LGBTQ individuals. It became to a point where I could not just stay quiet anymore. I was already an openly gay person. And in some point, I had to be more active on protecting my rights because each day, one by one, I hear another very annoying thing from the government. So I just felt like I have to express myself in some way. And fanzine became that, I think, for me. I just wanted to express that in front of that Istanbul view. There's an, this is Istanbul view. We took this picture and a terrace and there was a ship, Bosphorus, the nostalgic look of Istanbul. And in front of that, there are two people kissing. So that was like, yeah, no matter how much you try to suppress, it's here. Exposed on a very strong flash. Yeah, I just want to express myself more than before. And I feel more fearless of expressing, even though trying to be expressed more, or I can talk about things more freely compared to the past. Yeah. I love that. And I let me know if I'm if I misinterpreted this, but I think I saw from just following you on Instagram, like there was something happened where you were spent some time in jail because at a protest or something like that. Thankfully I wasn't in the jail. It was the Pride Week in Istanbul. And I was in the location to involve in the Pride, Istanbul 2022 Pride. But two hours before the Pride started, the protest started, police started to collect every individual who looked 
And Who then I was just, yes, literally sitting in a cafe or by the corner. Even if they're not even partaking in the Pride events at all? I don't know if there were any people who were just taken without being involved in the protest. But, well, most of the people who were there were trying to be a part of the Pride protest. And then eventually I had to be detained for 14, 15 hours. We were on the bus mostly. We weren't in a jail in any point, but we were on the bus without fresh air, without water and food, detained very annoyingly. And then we were taken in the city center on a Sunday. Then on a Monday morning, when everybody had to work, we were released at 5 a.m. outside of the Istanbul city where there is no public transportation. So that was very annoying. But yeah, I wasn't in a jail. It was... I got it. He was a detained, D- detained in the bus. Detained. Okay. <laughs> I remember having conversations with you on the day that we did the photo shoot. You were telling me about how much you love the queer community in Istanbul. And so I don't want listeners to go away from this episode just thinking that it's not fun to be queer in Turkey or you can't, as a traveler, go and explore the queer scene. So would you share like what about the queer community you really any advice you would have for queer visitors who are coming to Turkey? Stuff that they could do or like what they can look forward to, that kind of a thing? So if people really, queer people who visit Istanbul really want to see like the queer scene, I think one of the best places to see that are the drag shows or some special events. Like I really love going there and seeing people dancing, meeting new people, seeing the shows, seeing interesting looks. Yeah, I could recommend that. There are some bars that they have drag shows every Friday or Saturday nights. There are some events organized by the queer people and they very in difficult conditions create those events. There is one, something called Dudaklerin Jengi, which is maybe I can say like the drag race. It's not a TV show. It's a scene, an event that is organized since 2018 or 19. It's organized by Mother Aktish and the next one, it's like usually happens like once in a month and like 20 different queens performs their thing there in front of the people. It's like happening once in a month. The next one is happening in two weeks, I guess. Like there are a lot of things or mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something for, I feel like everybody, maybe not as much as in San Francisco or Berlin, but there is still a lot of things compared to other parts in Middle East. And that's why I'm happy living here in Istanbul. Yeah, I remember you telling me about there was something going on. You went to something in the forest, like there was a festival or something like that. Oh, yes, that was so nice. I remember (laughs) you telling me about all these events. I was like, I didn't realize that all of this was happening. Again, I wasn't really looking for it at the time either. So I was like in my own little zone. But next time I go back to Istanbul, you and I are going to go to some of these events. Yes, please. Oh, my gosh. Well, look, and I want to be conscious of your time here. And so I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being vulnerable. And I just really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to have your story on here just to give a more global perspective of of what queer journeys outside of the US and the UK are. And so I... And it's also just like good to see you again. Yes, definitely. (laughs) You were such like a positive, bright light for me and my Turkey experience. And one thing I was just that I left Turkey. I left Turkey just one of the things that I... Besides the cats that I obviously love, like 
the people that I met there, like you and some of my friends that I met at like the, the boating cafe that <laughs> we took some photos at and at my gym, just the people are so freaking kind. And so you are definitely one of those people. And it, it's so nice to see you and chat with you. And I can't wait for your to share your story and to share, show everybody your artwork and everything. I just, you're just incredible. Thank you so much. It's so much compliment. I cannot handle things. So <laughs> Sorry. But... And thank you so much for inviting me here. I was really looking forward to this. It was really nice to talk about the things that we all did, like coming out, unfortunately, even though like, I'm saying unfortunately, because in this society, we have to come out. Yeah. No, no, my pleasure. And if the audience wants to check out some of your photography or just maybe your story resonated with them and they want to reach out, what's the best way for listeners to find you? They could search maybe on Instagram. They could search as Zets Fanzine. This is the name of my magazine, Zets Fanzine. If they type that on Instagram, they can find Zets Fanzine on my personal page, which is called Ikin Zebek. Perfect. And then also, if you're traveling through Istanbul and you're looking for some gorgeous portraits or want to go on the coffee tour, yeah. <laughs> learn about coffee history of Turkey, you'll definitely have, we'll have to link to your Airbnb experience pages below as well. So yeah. highly recommend as a customer for the portraits, like one of the most fun afternoons I had in Istanbul. So can't recommend that enough. Thank, thank you so you. much, Ilkin. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If today's story resonated with you or you just had a good time listening, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better chance that the show has at being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you heard today. You can also follow along with reaching out on Instagram and TikTok at reachingoutpod. And you can follow me on Instagram at Michael Wings It. Bye-bye. See you.